Hello, this is Hannah coming to you from the future. Hello, Magic of Editing. Just letting you know that this episode was recorded several weeks previous to it going out, which is why we talk about going to the pub, getting our hair cut. Obviously, we are now back in lockdown 2.0. And of course, we are taking the rules really seriously. We would hate for anyone to think that we weren't. Um, so I just wanted to give that little disclaimer. I will let past Molly and Hannah get on with the episode now. Bye. Ba-da-ba. Hello and welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to those books that when you read them on the train and the person next to you starts judging you, you get to scream, it's not porn, it's French, it's art and you just would not understand. If you think that a woman's only purpose is to be a sex slave and you're a fan of long winding paragraphs with little punctuation, then this is not the podcast for you, as these are two points we're going to get very, very angry and shouty about. As ever, I am joined by my wonderful, delightful and delectable co-host, Hannah. How are you this evening, Hannah? I am good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I've clearly had a few wines before this, hence all the adjectives. Normally it's like Hannah's here. And this is Hannah. But um, I'll take it. I love it. Yeah. Good. Are you feeling delectable this evening? I am feeling delectable. I've had a haircut. It is I've, looking fresh. I've got a drink. I'm having a great time. How are you? Have you got anything? I'm okay. I went for some bevs in the northern quarter the other day. Oh my goodness. And I met the world's best dog whilst I was drinking. But I couldn't pat him because of COVID. His name was Angus and he was a shaggy hound. And his owners seemed like... You know the sort of people who move to Manchester and go to the Northern Quarter because uh, the BBC moved up to Manchester. Mm, yeah. And they're too old to be riding skateboards, but they do it anyway. Yeah, of course they do. His owners were like them, and I just wanted to rescue him and give him all the pats. What have you been up to? I've been playing Harry Potter Cards Against Humanity. I've got my hair caught. I'm moving to Brighton. You know, just the usual stuff. Just <laughs> but like how are you normal. feeling? Feeling good as hell. <laughs> that was so Lizzo. Yeah. Just cash. Um, and what are you drinking this week, babe? This week I am drinking a Oyster Bay Rosé. So Oyster Bay tend to do whites, so they tend to do Sauvignon Blancs, uh, but they had a rosé today and I was editing one episode where you're like, why do you keep finding wines of different colour that shouldn't be that colour? And I was like, oh, this Lenoy Hannah. I just don't know how you do it. It's like you've got like weird like off-brand wine that's just like the wrong colour. What are you drinking? As always, I have a gin. I've got some of my strawberry gin, my, what the fuck's it called? Merry Wen North Wales strawberry gin. But I didn't have any tonic, so I'm having it with squash. It's very nice. Oh, that's very uni. I'm loving that. Mm. What kind of squash? Cranberry and raspberry. Oh, uh, yeah. That's basically a cocktail. Beautiful. A little umbrella in it. Nailed it. Perfect. What are we reading this week, Miles? Oh, God. What are we reading? This week, we are reading The Story of O by Pauline Réage. Um, so the reason that we are reading this is because my friend from primary school, her mum recommended this one. Um, uh, shout out to Rosa, who is a fucking ledge i think she knows it um i don't know whether she recommended it because she likes this book or because they were talking about our podcast and she said oh this is a sexy book that i remember so mm-hmm. we are going to delve into the so, story of oh rosa if you like this book we're sorry um and if you would recommend it because it's a bit sexy that's probably better sorry rosa i'll bring you some wkd to make up for it so, 
Uh, let's get into it. The story of Vogue was published in 1954 under the pseudonym of Pauline Réage. Many people thought that only a man could write this story until about 1994 when a British journalist did an interview with a woman called Dominique Auré who admitted to writing the book. It turns out that Dominique Auré was also a pseudonym and the real author is a woman called Anne Desclos. Mindfuck. Okay. Anne Desclos was a French journalist and novelist. She was born in 1907 to a bilingual family who spoke both French and English. Because of this, she developed a passion for literature and often translated books for people. She studied at the Sorbonne and was briefly married in her 20s and had a son, but there's like literally no info on that. That's very much a sweet pump to the carpet fact. Don't know what happened to like, the kids. Oh, she had a first marriage and a son. Yeah. Then. And then. <laughs> And then she met her long-term lover, Jean Paulin, when they worked on Lettres Lettres Françaises during the German occupation. One article describes their relationship as one of minds as well as bodies. So it was fitting that when she started to worry about losing him, she would try and win him back with sex in the head. Thank you, The Guardian, for this nonsense. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so this is actually how the story of O came about. She felt that she were, he was starting to wander and knew that he loved the Marquis de Sade and he had previously said, and this is a quote, erotica wasn't a thing women were capable of. So she was a bit like, fuck you, I'll show you. Um, and she wrote the story of O to impress him and annoy him. Um, he loved it got it published and that's how it came about um, it caused a fair amount of controversy when it came out because it was what 1954 but it did win the Prix de Dumégo, uh, which is like the French highest literary honour one can win then after it won that Obscenity charges were brought against the publishers, but it was all good and all gravy in the end. L'Express newspaper ran a feature on the book, which led to the newspaper being picketed by the Mouvement de Libération des Femmes. So feminists, well not happy with this book at all. What I have learned in the research is that feminists are like, sack this shit off. In the 1980s, feminists across the USA campuses burned copies of the book, and the journalist Francois Chalet said that the book glorified violence, describing it as bringing the Gestapo into the boudoir. There's a lot of feelings going on. That's some strong words. Disclo herself was bisexual and had a liaison with historian and novelist Edith Thomas, who is the inspiration for the character of Anne-Marie, which we'll get into later on. <laughs> Um, her pseudonym of Pauline is homage to Pauline Bonaparte, who is Napoleon's sister and the only person who came to visit him when he was banished to the islands, and Pauline Roland, who is a French feminist and socialist. Desclos died in 1998, posthumously, can't say that word, in 2007, the National Leather Association International created an award ceremony for the excellence in SM Fetish Leather Writing, which includes the Pauline Réage Award for Fiction Novel. In 2020, she was inducted into the Leather Hall of Fame. There's a sequel to O, published under the same name and by the same publisher, which is believed that Desclos was not Okay, so, in a sense, that is the story of Pauline Riage, a.k.a. Dominique Auré, a.k.a. Anne Desclos. A.k.a. O. 
Hannah, what did you think of this book? Okay, so... I fucking hated it. I'll go first. I fucking hated it. I thought this is one of the worst I things we've ever read. Really hard to read, just to get through. It was like a. Yeah. It was really like a slog. I felt like it was very difficult. It was really difficult to read. And obviously, as we've discussed on this podcast before, BDSM stuff is not necessarily our bag. Not so. Obviously, crack on if you love it smashing it in the world having a great time whipping each other and um, it doesn't specially do it for us and obviously this was a very wordy really dense to read book about whipping which isn't my thing there would be like a page like an actual page in the book which would probably be two sentences but they would have so much commas and inflictions that I, when I was trying to read it, I'd have to go back and read it again and try and stop and breathe where the comma was. Yeah. Just to try and make sense of the sentence I'd just read because they were so dense. And I do wonder whether a lot of it had to do with the translation. So looking at the copy I have, on the copy I have, it says before Fifty Shades, there was a story of O, which means mine must be a relatively modern one, but it doesn't cite who the translator was and I don't know whether it needs someone slightly more modern to translate it okay because mine does have a translator and it also has a note at the beginning from oh, so the it? translator is called Sabine Destry I didn't do French Molly did Sabine Destry and she wrote a note at the beginning where she said that obviously there was lots of like hype around who'd written it no one knew who'd written it and it, this was clearly my edition's clearly an older one because it says in the translator's note to this day no one knows who she is even as the translator she'd never met her um, she was like we've spoken through her publisher and I know she's happy with the translation but I've never actually met her and the main thing that the translator said is that the one she'd read the one that won all the French awards and stuff had been translated by a man um. and she says that that's part she thinks thinks that's part of the problem a lot of the things that were in the book originally seemed to be sort of like skirted over and she was like it was like a man being embarrassed to write what was really happening oh, okay. um, and so she was like as it was written yeah. by a woman it demands a woman translator one who is gonna humble herself before the work and be satisfied simply to just render it faithfully without trying to put a slant on it or having a judgment on it she was like my job is to just turn the words into english I can do that. Which I think is really important, particularly with a story yeah. like this, in that it is a female voice. And I do think a lot of men would be a little bit squeamish reading this book, particularly in the English. So one thing that we were taught in university is you should only ever translate into your mother tongue. You should never translate. So my degree is in French. I should never translate into French. I should always translate from French mm -hmm. into English because... Fuck me, idioms are the hardest thing. Like, we don't realise we're using them all the time, but idioms are really difficult to yeah. get that je ne sais quoi. That's what I thought was the problem with the translation. That is something. The other thing that I didn't like about just purely my edition of the book, as I said to Molly just before we started recording, had a translator's note, interesting. Then there were 35 pages of foreword and prologue written by two different men just, like, dissecting it. And I was like, I don't care, mate. Like, I don't give a shit because I'd rather have read this afterwards when I've read the book because currently I don't know what any of it means. Yeah. And there was a whole bit about how lots of people 
people didn't know if it had actually been written by a woman, but then the thing that made people know it had been written by a woman was there's a bit when she's being flogged or whatever that her partner walks into the room and she goes, oh, his slippers are really worn out. I should buy him new ones. And they're like, that's a thought that only a woman would have. And because one of the men was like, it's he was like, I have literally never had that thought ever. And I was like, cool, that says more about you yeah. as a person than about you as a man, I would think. See, mine were, uh, I had one which was put by um, her long-term male lover, Jean Paulin. And I didn't read it because it started saying, in the course of the year 1838, an unusual rebellion bloodied the peaceful island of Barbados. And I just thought, is a white man going to lecture me about the history of West Indies what could be a slavery rant because this book is about sex slavery very much, and I just thought I don't I don't want to re- I don't want to give any of my time to this man. The only other thing that I pulled out of one of the prologues I can't remember who wrote it was something where they said that it has like a fairy tale element because fairy tales were erotica for children, and I was like, nope, I don't know what I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna tap out. So translators no interest in two prologues not worth my time. We will say this is probably one of the more literary ones that we've done in the sense that it has an actual literary background. And I think that's almost what I was kind of disappointed by is because I was expecting it's a it's a literary classic, it's a bestseller. And I was mm. like, I don't I can believe it's a bestseller, but I bet loads of people bought it and then maybe didn't read it. Yes, I think that. So should we dive into Let's it? Should we get go. into it and see why we hated it, see if other people disagreed with us let's go one thing we will say before we get started as well is because there are like yeah that you can read like three pages and it's like two sentences that just like run on run on run on both of us it turns out sort of don't know what happens in this book even though we've both read it and the plot (laughs) there is no story to it there's like not a vast amount of plot but somehow it manages to be 200 pages long i should explain she wrote some of it and then was encouraged to write the book. So it's not that she wrote the whole book and then he loved it and published it. It's that she wrote the sex scenes in the book and then had to write the story around those sex scenes from reading the book. That makes sense. Yeah, 100% makes sense. We're going to see what we can do. We're going to warn you up top that we don't really know what's happening. Let's crack on. So it starts off with um, a woman. Her name is O. That's one of the reasons that feminists were unhappy is because her name throughout the whole story is O, meaning that she has a lack of identity. Intellectuals slash men of the world will argue that her name is Odine, which is why she's called O. Feminists argue that it's called O because she's only there for her orifices. So leave that as you will. This woman called O is in a car on the way to a chateau in Roissy. And it turns out she's wearing too much clothing, so she has to slip her panties off. Yes, panties off. In the middle of this taxi, um, and then is blindfolded. Then the blindfold comes off. She finds herself in a room with two women who are dressed as slutty maids who bathe her and do her makeup. But not only do they do her makeup on her face... We have yet another case of titty rouging, vaginal rouging. So it says, 
When she was made up, her eyelids lightly shadowed, her mouth very red, the point and halo of her nipples rouged, the sides of the lips of her sex reddened, a lingering scent applied to the fur of her armpits and her pubis, to crease between her buttocks, to beneath her breasts and the palms of her hands. So... I've never put lipstick on my badge, but I'm thinking maybe I should. Turns out everyone else is. We're the only ones. Yeah. Or maybe it's a European thing because wetlands was German. That's true. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the mainland thing. Maybe it's on the continent. But yeah, so she's brought in and she's like sort of titivated up with all this, yeah, vagina makeup, which again is a thing that we've encountered previously. If you have done it, please let us know because I would love to know, does it make your badge sexier? Is it presumably because when you put like lipstick and blush on is to like emulate like the sexy flush you get when you're like orgasmic? Yeah. So is it because like your vag, because all the blood goes to it. So is it to simulate that? Yeah, you want it redder. But does it look good? Anyway, so once she's... um. Got her lipstick on her collar. She is blindfolded and she's taken to a room full of men who all sort of poke and they prod at her. As it says, a hand moulded itself round one of her breasts, squeezed, a mouth closed upon the nipple of her breast. Suddenly she lost her balance and tottered backwards into unknown arms. At the same instant, her legs were spread apart and her lips gently worked open. Hair grazed the inner surfaces of her thighs. So she's just having men look at her. She's just on, like, display. And there's a lot of this. And one thing I will say, which I I spent a long time trying to work out how I felt about it, um, particularly compared to beauty, Mm. because obviously I think that's the nearest thing we have to directly compare to. I was like... I feel like this suffers from the same thing beauty did, in that I don't think O has much personality. No. And I want, while she even... Even at least the one thing I would give to Beauty is when she was being inspected and stuff, she was like thinking about these people over here and she was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And so I don't think O's like even having a reaction to it. She's just there. I think the difference is O was written by a woman for a man. Beauty was written by a woman for women, even though if it didn't come across that way. Yeah, we want the inner monologue. We want to know how she's feeling. Whereas this man's like, yeah. and then who fucked her in the arse? That's what he wants to know. And it's a woman trying to think about what would turn on her waste man of a partner. Yeah. yeah. If a man says, babe, do you know who I just love and who my icon is, the Marquis de Sade? I don't think... That is a red flag, ladies. <laughs> that is a red him. flag. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she's like being inspected and they're all, it seems like they're just kind of like in a drawing room having drinks and hanging and then she's kind of paraded in and like left at their mercy. I just want to read this bit out because I imagine if you were in the 50s, this would have been sexy Mm -hmm. or even shocking. For me, I find it shocking in a different way in that it's like, <laughs> like it's a big wharf of a shock rather than like a yeah, titillating shock. It says she was forced down upon her knees again, but this time a hassock was placed to support under her chest. Her hands were still fixed behind her, back haunches were higher than her torso. One of the men gripped her buttocks and sank himself into her womb. When he was done, he ceded his place to a second. The third wanted to drive his way into the narrower passage and, pushing hard, violently, wrung a scream from her lips. When at last he let go of her, moaning, and tears streaming down under her blindfold, 
She slipped sideways to the floor, only to, to discover by the pressure of two knees against her face that her mouth was not to be spared either. Yeah. Uh, buttocks, womb and haunches. It may be a translation thing. There's a lot of people going deep into her womb. Yeah, there's a- and there's a lot of people going deep into her belly. A lot of womb chat. So that's happening. And then she gets whipped, flogged in some form. So it turns out in the middle of this whipping, we find out that she has a partner, a lover, called René. And René is the one who brought her to the chateau. He, like, at one point, is got his hands in her womb whilst she's also being put onto a hook to be spanked. Like, a meat hook is how I yeah. imagined it in an old-fashioned butchers. It just feels also clinical. It feels like I was getting my smear test whilst reading this. Yeah, she's hooked up, and then she is... There's a bit, again, sorry, just to read this out, it says, There was a third whip whose numerous light cords were several times knotted and stiff, quite as if soaked in water. And they actually had been soaked in water, as O was able to verify when they stroked her belly with those cords and, opening her thighs, exposing her hidden parts, letting the damp, cold ends trail against the tender membranes. Tender oh. membranes. Ugh. Hate it. I hate it. It's like she's. It's like we're doing an autopsy on a sheep reading yeah. this book. I like a hard membrane. Um, so <laughs> this is her being whipped, and eventually she gets let down, and the maids get her dressed up again, and she's sort of wearing the same outfit. And it's described that the maid's outfit, although can go to the floor, so it's like a. 18th century one also has a clip so it can tie at the front and can tie at the back for easy access depending on whenever any of these gentlemen at the chateau wanted to bang you and then also she's given a speech which is about what she's here to do so you are here to serve your masters during the day you'll perform whatever domestic duties are assigned you such as sweeping putting back the books arranging flowers or waiting on table nothing more difficult than that but at the first word or sign from anyone you will drop whatever you're doing and ready yourself for what is really your one and only duty to lend yourself your hands are not your own nor your breasts nor most especially any of your orifices which we may explore or penetrate at will And basically, so she's lost the right to privacy concealment. She's not allowed to cross her legs. She's not allowed to close her lips all the way. She needs to always be like open because her her Mm. mouth and her body are theirs. You will never touch your breasts in our presence. You may never touch yourself ever. We're going to whip you all the fucking time. You aren't allowed to look at the look people in the eye. There's a lot. There's a lot of rules. What I find interesting and not to harp on about the translation is that yours translated to your one and only duty mm-hmm. mine says your one primary task okay this is interesting isn't it very old like like that's what i mean like mine is a lot older language than we would use yours was like your task will not be more difficult than this mine is your task will not be more onerous than this interesting yeah your translation sounds a bit like a fancier than mine english has modernized a lot quicker than a lot of european languages have so when you're translating or when you're trying to speak French, you have to think of what you would say in fancy English. 
and then the word is pretty much the same. Okay, so during the day, she's just doing some little household tasks and occasionally getting fucked if that's what people want. And then at night... She's being tied to the bed. You're being naked, you're being blindfolded, you're being whipped. Everyone can take their control of you whenever they want to. She gets a valet. The valet whips her and he's the one who hooks her up to the bed. So the next day, she wakes up and Rene comes in and they have breakfast. And he is banging her and some guy watches... And it just says her hands were brushed by the sex of a man who was rubbing himself in the crease between her buttocks. That sex now rose and shot swiftly into the depths of the hole in her belly. Does that mean her belly button or her actual vag? I assume it means her vag, but I hate <laughs> that that's like a translation thing that I can't understand. <laughs> it freaks me out. So Rene then says to her that she is his, but she can be used by anyone. And to teach her that lesson, he then sucks the nipple of one of the maids who's there to be like, anyone is at use. You are not just mine. Yeah, like, while you're here, I've brought you here for you to be at the beck and call of all these other men. And one of the phrases he used, which I thought was interesting, was that he... Because obviously, it's bits and bobs of hers kind of thinking like if Renee loved me, why would he want to share me with other people? Which I think is like a fair enough kind of route to go down. And he says he didn't want to leave her. The more that he surrendered her, the more he would hold her dear. The fact that he gave her was to him proof and ought to be for her as well that she belonged to him because you can only give people what belongs to you. It's so weird. It's not for me. No. For a long time, he had wanted to prostitute her and he was delighted to feel that the pleasure he was deriving was even greater than he'd hoped. Good for you, Renee. And this is it. And it's interesting because there is no suggestion, really, that they've ever had a significant conversation about this. She seems to not hate this in the way that beauty doesn't hate mm. it, but there is no suggestion that he sat down and went, right, you know what would be would really cement our relationship for me would be if you go and get fucked by a load of other men. Would you do that for me? And she was like, you know what, I would love to do that to make you happy. Like, there doesn't seem to have been that moment. We don't get the backstory, which maybe as we've said before, when we were talking about Vox, that women crave the Victorian novel pornography, yeah. whereas men are just like, get to the thing. We might need that conversation to feel comfortable reading this and watching this, whereas a man might not. But again, she's a woman writing for a man in the 50s, so... If the feminism in this is not up to scratch, we can hardly be surprised given the context. No. So she gets up, she's chilling at the chateau, she's getting whipped, she's getting fucked. She's There's a lot of anal training as well, the whole thing where like her bum hole's not big enough and so they do a lot of... They put, like, a plug in it and she has to leave that in there. Yeah, so she's sort of, like, there's a scene where she's getting gangbang. Not, again, I don't think it's a gangbang. It's just loads of different men in a room fucking loads of different women. So maybe an orgy? It says, to undo his garment and in both hands take that sword of flesh which had so cruelly pierced O, once at least. His members swelled and stiffened between the shut palms and also the same hands that lay one of the servant's thighs as spread, and with little jerks which made him pant, the boy gradually inserted himself. He watched her closely and smiled at each time that the hand holding her, probing her, emerged and working her even deeper, simultaneously explored her womb and her anus, which opened ever wider until at last she moaned, unable to strain herself longer. Then they get on to how they're like, 
oh, she's not got a big enough anus. You, you, you need to work it. And they can rummage around in there and, I don't know, keep the weed in there. Whatever it is that they're doing. The coke, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a thing where she talks about her outfits. It's not washed. And it says, Dalian, if it were ritualistic, soiled by saliva and sperm, by sweat mingled with her own sweat, she sensed herself to be literally the vessel of impurity. So that's what she's there to be, and she's realised And it. she doesn't seem bothered. She sort of seems okay with that. I mean, I don't think I've been a vessel of impurity since at least 2011. <laughs> like, that was the height of my university career. So I was stop- no, actually... London me was the vessel of impurity. That's where she was. That's Pop, the not game CV. Was. Like this was the period where I was a vessel of impurity. <laughs> it makes me sound like a great ship. Mate, you're an excellent ship. And I salute all that sail in you. <laughs> Rule Britannia. Sorry, I can't sing that anymore. But then she's allowed to go. She gets dressed. She puts the clothes that she arrived in back on, which obviously is very different. Minus panties. Minus panties, obviously, um, which is very different from all the other clothes that she's been wearing. It kind of feels really odd for her to be putting clothes back on. And she's had this, like, collar um, and, like, cuffs with rings on that she can be chained up at any point. And one of the big things that they say is about them being like when you leave here that doesn't mean you're free you're still one of us sort of thing you're still yeah. part of this you're just back in the real world she has to wear a ring he unlocked the collar and bracelets which had held her captive for two weeks was she freed of them or did she have the feeling something was missing she said nothing scarcely daring to run her hands over her wrists and then she's given a ring which has this like symbol on that means she's one of mm. the sexy cult it looks incognito it looks like just your generic but if you know ring. but if you know if you know you know but then she's let out back into the real world and her and renee kind of go to their life together back to their flat back in Paris, and we learn about o's actual life in the sense that she works for a fashion photography studio. She's a career woman. I wasn't expecting that necessarily. I wasn't, but then knowing that the who the author is and she was a career woman, it makes sense. But I also would love to work in 1950s fashion where you start at two, finish at four and go for drinks afterwards. Yeah, like have some fags on a photo shoot, go for some mm. champagne afterwards, like lovely it sounds wonderful she spends a lot of time having lunch in her dressing gown which is something that i think is very decadent and i would, I would like to love do. to do but she has to get a whole new wardrobe when she goes back to paris because everything that she wears has to be sex accessible so that's sexually accessible accessible We're coining that <laughs> thank you tm god so that involves getting like skirts that pop open and she can't wear a bra so when she goes to the tailor she has to come up with some excuse of why she wants everything tight fitting and reachable and he tells her he's like you all your clothes need to fit this brief essentially and then she has a day where she goes through her wardrobe and she's like these are the clothes that are already accessible and these are the clothes that i need to check like i can pull my jumper up is that enough you can get to my tits (laughs) and then she's like these are the clothes that have to go and some pencil skirts that aren't gonna cut the mustard like they need to go all the underwear just goes straight away how much of your current wardrobe would you say is accessible right now oh that's a good question 
in. I would um, go maybe five to ten percent. I'd say not a great deal because a lot of my wardrobe. A lot of my shirts and stuff are, but I tend to wear them tucked into like mm. jeans and things. Yeah. Obviously, are not accessible. I was thinking winter's coming, so I've got a load of winter jumpers, which are men's. Yeah. <laughs> Big dead dungarees, men's they're not accessible. They're not accessible. <laughs> but I've got a dungaree skirt, like dress thing, which that's very accessible. Oh. While she goes back to work, um, she meets a model called Jacqueline, who she's very taken with straight mm. away. Obsessive. Yeah, bit bit weird. Um, she's like really fair and pale and beautiful and kind of sort of like standoffish as well. That seems to be the thing. Like Jacqueline's proper up herself. She seems to be a bit Russian. Does it say that? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, in my book, it very heavily implies in my book that Jacqueline is of Slavic descent so she's met Jacqueline that's fine and then she's going for dinner with Renee and someone is she I was gonna say before we get to dinner surely we're gonna talk about the armpit oh absolutely I'd forgotten about that yes that's one of Jacqueline's defining features so they describe Jacqueline as her naked arms lifted like two swans necks a trace of sweat glistened under her armpit which was shaven brackets why shaven? What a pity, thought O. She's so fair, close brackets. And O could smell the keen, pungent odour, somewhat vegetable, and wondered what perfume Jacqueline ought to be wearing. Interesting that your a lot of your translation was the same as mine, apart from what did they describe her arms as? Um, her naked arms lifted like two swan's necks. Her bare arms lifted like two handles. <laughs> I actually think swan's necks might be more elegant than this. <laughs> Much more elegant. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. that, And that's very French, isn't it? The idea that like, she's like, oh, what a pity that she's shaved her arms. Yes. I respect that. I love that. I remember being freaked out by a woman who had, not freaked out, but I was 21 in France by myself. <laughs> and she lifted her arms up, like scratch her head. And I was like, there is so much hair under her armpits and it's the first time I'd ever seen a woman with so that much hair and we also need to remember as well that like when we were 21 like that was before body hair was really starting to be normalized in the media and yeah all these like in the especially the social media circles that I move in now that's not unusual but when I was 21 that would have been a massive massive deal that would have been a massive thing yeah that was 2013 for context we're old so we're, we're old so and then for two weeks O had been completely outfitted and ready for use because Renee says a lot of the rules she had at the chateau she has to have the same rules at home like about not crossing mm. her legs and not wearing underwear and stuff and then she's invited to dinner she's going to dinner with Renee and one of his friends and he's told her to dress entirely in black and be at pains to make up and perfume herself as she would have done at the sex mm. cult um, which means she has to kind of go shit I don't have vag makeup what makeup do I have that I can use on my vag yeah. and there's a whole thing where she's like she tried kiss proof lipsticks that she did not like to use because they were too dry and too hard to remove so that worked but she tried lip gloss and that didn't work and she tried some other blusher she had and that didn't work and she's having a bit of a faff and honestly this was the best bit for me of the whole book. The translation is so different. She finally located one of those kiss-proof rouges, which she didn't like to use because they were too dry and remained too long on the lips. But for present purposes, the kiss-proof variety worked well. See, yours is for present purposes, the kiss-proof variety. What mine says there, it worked. So it's like... <laughs> it just worked. Fine. 
Don't have to deal with it. It works. It just it just works. So she's put she's put all her tip makeup on. Mm. Um, she goes for dinner with Renee and a man called Sir Stephen, who is British. I can't stand Sir Stephen. I think he's a prick. They go to this Italian restaurant, and Sir Stephen. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what he is like. No, he's just there is British. No description of him. And in my notes, I kept writing down Saint Stephen, and that's not correct. It turns out that this Saint Stephen is. Renee's older half-brother. And ultimately, the deal is Renee wants her to belong to both him and Sir Stephen, but Sir Stephen is the one who gets to be, like, in charge. He's like, what Sir Stephen wants comes first. It sounds like shit joint custody. (laughs) Yeah. And they literally spend a lot of time, which I didn't like, talking about her as if she wasn't there. Yeah. It's a lot of it. Sit on this... And then we're going to discuss you and how you are sexually whilst pretending that you don't exist as a person. And they decide that because Sir Stephen is older, he's like, I'm 10 years older and what belongs to Renee belongs to me. And so we're going to share you and you have to obey me in the way that you obey him. It says in this bit of the book, it says, Sir Stephen's hands opened her womb, forced apart her buttocks, penetrated, released her, seized her again, caressed her until she gasped out her sighs, quaking with pleasure and humiliation, and spent and undone. I leave you to Sir Stephen, Rene then said. Stay as you are, he'll send you back when he wishes. So, although Rene says they're going to be both, it's very much like Sir Stephen is going to be your weekday dad, and I'm going to be your weekend dad. Yeah, which I thought was weird. Yeah, it's weird. And then so Stephen gets weird and he asks her to do things like play with her nips. And she's a bit like, okay, I'll do this, but why isn't he touching me? And then Renee comes over and like like you do at Crofts with a dog, like she sat there sort of like touching her nips. And then Renee comes over and is like, well, would you look at this anus? I'm like pushes her cheeks apart and is like we stretch this out just for you Stephen goes up so there. weird yeah. it's literally what he says he's like oh it was it was very small before and we made it bigger because I know that's that's how you like them I feel like this portion was to Stephen a lot of it is very very sexy but there were mm-hmm. so many words I couldn't recognize what was sexy and what wasn't I just wanted more sentences i just needed more it just felt really like hard to read so again like if you've read this book and you found it like Mm. super sexy and we're not doing it justice i'm really sorry but it's because i found it so difficult to get through like tell us what we're missing let us know if we're reading the wrong translation because i honestly think that has a lot to do with it yeah but then we learn that Renee is leaving the bum hole pure for Sir Stephen to use. And it turns out Sir Stephen only likes doing people up the arse. He's not um he's not a vag man. No, he's not a vag man. There's a whole section and we are gonna get more into the like LGBT mm. issues, which no one expected this book to have in a minute. No, it was a bamboozle. But there's a bit where she once they've kind of set up this system whereby Sir Stephen gets first dibs, essentially. If she's got plans yeah. of Renee and Sir Stephen rings, she has to go with Sir Stephen instead. And she kind of thought it would almost be easier if sir stephen like and literally it's it said really plainly which i thought was quite interesting for the time she basically says it would be easier if sir stephen 
liked boys yeah but he doesn't even though all he wants to do is fuck me in the ass he he definitely likes girls but does he though or is that what society said of him at the time perhaps that's a really good point because i think most of the men i've ever slept with have been vagina men and not let's go straight to anal but that's something that's really weird to ask in a nightclub so (laughs) (laughs) that's your chat up like how do you feel excuse me love do you like anal and one of the things that she says as well is that she basically feels it'd be easier if Stephen and Renee could just fuck instead and stop using her as a middleman. She seems to think it's like super yeah. gay how much they want to share her, which I thought was funny. Yeah, which is fine because she's gay herself, which we'll get into. So Stephen then says to her, wank for me. And she's like, uh, no, I, I could never. I can be penetrated. I can be bummed, but I can't couldn't possibly finger myself in front of you. And it turns out it's because when she was a teenager, she had a friend in her 30s who, I didn't understand this at all, Mm. who like had a wank in front of her and it proper fucked her up. She met a girl when she was younger who did just wank in front of her and talked about how she wanked at the office and her boss liked it. It says in mine at least, she was like, one of the things that she doesn't want is she was like, I remember watching Marion caress herself and feeling really disgusted watching it because obviously she was a she was a child and that's not a thing you do in front of children Um, and she was like I remember feeling really disgusted and I don't want him to feel disgusted looking at me doing that and I was like I can totally see how that would fuck you up and it's like the one thing that she's like I can't do that I can't do that and so he kind of moves on from it to be fair like he doesn't push the point too heavily they do no he doesn't but the next major thing that we are going to talk about as we've mentioned the the unexpectedly slightly LGBT issues in this book she basically seems to think like Sir Stephen is sort of dominating both of them Renee is getting off on he sees her worth in relation to how much Sir Stephen likes her and so she's like that seems super gay to me that he needs uh, this guy's approval so much he like really gets off on her being beaten and whipped and one of the things that him and Sir Stephen agree is that she has to be whipped enough that she constantly has signs of being whipped on her but it's like he doesn't do it himself but he gets off on her having it done to other people do it other people yeah so she goes back to work and that's when we learn when we get into the the fun I would say fun LGBTQ side of this story where we learn that oh like the ladies uh, in mine at least it seems just like mm. really chill they just like oh yeah. and she also likes to fuck women and i'm like you know what that's all it should be the reason that she liked women is because she controlled the game and she alone which with a man she never did unless it was on the sly so with a woman o is in control but with a man she's never in control of the man which i thought was really interesting, interesting. And O won't let a woman fuck her. She'll only fuck a woman. I believe that is called being a stone top. And that seems to be sort of what O goes for. She says, one thing that I thought was quite nice was she was like, it was rare to find a woman in whom she failed to detect some element of beauty. She was like, there was a girl that she went out with for a bit who she didn't like. She wasn't a very nice person, but she had really good hair. And she was like, you know what? Fair play, that hair though. And I love that for her. It was a really good point. There was different things she asked of women and she didn't all love the same type of woman. 
she just liked going for the most difficult in a sense yeah that's kind of it turns out what's drawn her to Jacqueline because Jacqueline mm. it turns out is a hundred percent that so she fancies Jacqueline is the is the thing is the key point good for her there's there's several pages about how much she loves women we love that for her and then the whole thing where Renee meets Jacqueline well Renee gives Sir Stephen a key to O's flat and O has these photographs of Jacqueline around because that's her job and then Sir Stephen sort of sees the photos and is like yeah bitch bring her to the sex cult she's hot so O and Jacqueline move in together and they start banging and it's very much like there's a bit as well where O's worried that Jacqueline's gonna see all these marks on her and all the, the whatever and worried and then she's like turns out Jacqueline don't give a fuck Jacqueline's not noticed anything she was like I literally don't even have to try hard to hide it from her because she is not paying attention no she she literally she does not care Jacqueline liked pleasure and found it both agreeable and practical to receive it from a woman in whose hands she ran no risks. Jacqueline's always been worried about getting pregnant. And that makes sense. Jacqueline's always been a bit wary of Renee at the same time. She's been a bit like, ugh, until a bit later on. So then, so Stephen turns up and says to O, come to mine. And then O has to be his literal secretary. (laughs) O has to be on all fours on top of his desk. You know, like in your in the office, you have things around your desk, like maybe a picture of your partner or a strip pool or something like that. He has his sex slave on his desk on all fours. And when the phone rings, she has to pick it up and be like, Sir Stephen's phone. She'll be like, I'm so glad you called, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll be like, blah, blah, blah. Shake his head and be like, no, don't open to blah, blah, blah. And she'll be like, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Sir Stephen isn't in, goodbye. And then goes back to being on all fours, perching on his desk. Like, you can't see what I'm doing right now. (laughs) It's beautiful though. It's a very accurate representation of what I imagine she looks like. Like the Sphinx is sort of how I... Like the Sphinx? (laughs) That was like, we love a secretary. We're fine with that. We love that. That was fun. And then we go to meet a lady called Anne-Marie. Um, who, as Molly said at the beginning, is based on the author's girlfriend. Edith Thomas. We're back to Cruft's gate, really, again, aren't we? There's a lot of examining. Yeah, I kind of liked Anne-Marie for what she did. She was just a nice lesbian older woman who makes these girls more sexually viable for men. You know what? It's nice work if you can get it. Oh, Hannah, I can imagine you as a good madam. Oh, me? That's such a good compliment. I think you could be a good madam. I think you care about the girls, but also be like, no padded carbs. I'd be like, you have work to do, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Get that branding iron. Um, she has to go to Amory's. When she gets to Amory's, she gets naked. And Amory sort of says, you need to have a, a wear this corset and makes her wear this real whalebone type corset to get her figure. I've always been portrayed as a very thin woman and they want to make her anorexic to a certain degree yeah i feel like Marie, um, as much as i don't necessarily maybe agree with her um the mm. album she wants Marie is like taking everything she's done and kind of elevating it and being like okay so you've you've tried you've started but here's mm. how we make you good like you're gonna be the best sexy slave ever She's like the Gok Wan. Absolutely. We find out that in a couple of weeks, they'll be going to Anne-Marie's gaff in Samoa. 
And I should also say there is, in San Francisco during the 80s, there was a BDSM community of lesbians who called themselves the Samoa Suffix after this because she is like the head of all Amory was like the head of lesbianism BDSM yeah but I thought it was good in the meantime Renee is like oh my god oh you need to tell Jacqueline that I like love her because she'll join the sex cult gross and I was a bit like I don't think she will ever join the sex cult and I was like and Renee's like well if you don't tell her I'm gonna tell her about all the shit that you do she's like cool do whatever so they go to Anne-Marie's and O consents to wearing Sir Stephen's ring. And no, this ring isn't on your finger. Mm-mm-mm. It is not. It is a rational ring. And it has like chains coming down from it. It's like a vag piercing. Yeah. That is then like chained. And then um, it turns out there are three other women who are at Amory's as well. And they're all naked. Everyone's naked. They're having a good time. Once again, oh, it gets examined like some sort of fucking animal. Amory is a bit like, where are we going to put this ring? Where are we going to put the branding so that Stephen will see it? Sort of catches glimpse of the sun glittering off of her bum hole that's so wide that you could fit the entire Spanish armada in there. That bum hole has had so much (laughs) shit happen to it. It's just had a rough ride as that bum hole. So then the other girls come around and there's like a box with loads of numbers in it and they pick numbers out of the box. Whoever has the lowest number that day gets to whip O. So they whip O. And then she has to lay in this constraint. Again, like sort of the meat hooks you've got at the butchers. But she's lying down and her legs are pointing outwards to the garden. And she can't cross her legs. So she is there for like a couple of hours. Vag wide open in the conservatory for all the busy little bees to come in and pollinate. Jesus Christ. And I mean actual bees, not... Sexual bees. Would you like some vagina, honey? There's oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that got me so bad, but it did. I'm very pale, so if I had spent the whole day with my legs facing out to the garden without any factor 50. I'll get sunburned just like walking down the street. Like if it's yeah. sunny, my vag is not going to have a good tolerance for sun. No, there needs to be some after sun. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe your lips don't get burnt. So she's gardening her vag. And then they put like some trial rings on her. So it says, this is simply the trial model. It can be removed, whereas... If you look closely, you'll see that here, in the permanent variety, there are spring catches inside the hollow prongs. One inserts the other half and it locks. Once locked, it can't be opened. It can't be taken off. One would have to file the ring in two. Each ring was long as two little fingers and just wide enough to admit one's little finger. From each ring was suspended a second link, or like the loop which supports a pendant of an earring, a disc of the same metal as large as its diameter as the ring was long. On one side, the gold inlay, on the other, nothing. On the blank side, said Anne-Marie, your name will be engraved, also your title, Sir Stephen's first and last names, and beneath that, a device, a cross whip with a riding crop. 
Yvonne wears a similar disc on her collar, but yours will be around your belly. So it's a fucking dog tag. Yeah. It's like the one you put on your pet, so when you lose it, they know how to bring it back. What we read further on, O's, like, jingles down her legs, so she can't wear a swimming costume. She has to, like, tuck into her pants. When she's moving anywhere, it jingles and it jangles. And she gets branded as well, doesn't she? That's the other thing yeah, that she... Yeah, that's the worst. Oh, we don't like a branding. We do not like a branding on this podcast. We do not like a branding. It says as well, like, even when, and so Stephen replies for her to put, she has some time at this place and Anne-Marie and Les is them all up and it's a great lesbian experience. I would recommend reading for Anne-Marie's sensual lesbianism. Mm -hmm. But the day comes where Sir Stephen has to put the rings in her it says, O felt the chill of the metal. Anne-Marie was slipping through her perforated flesh. Just before snapping the second part of the link to the first, Anne-Marie carefully checked to make sure that the inlaid side was next to the thigh and that the side carrying the inscription was facing out. But the spring was so stiff that the two prongs wouldn't pass the catch. One of the girls had to be sent to fetch a hammer O was made to sit up and spread her legs. They perched her on the edge of a slab of stone, using it as an anvil. Upon it, they butted the first one and then the other of the female half of the links, driving home the first and then the second of the male halves. So, like, this didn't go on first time round. They had to get a hammer and get yeah. sit there with her badge out on some fucking stone. <laughs> Absolute legs akimbo so they can get a hammer in there to be like, oh, these these links aren't quite going the way we wanted them to. Crazy. Ah, no, I couldn't. A bit of blacksmithing going on between your legs. No. And then after that, after she's had to, you know, watch someone literally hammer and tongue her lips, she gets branded. One single abdominable pain streaks through her and as though... She- Lightning struck stiffened her and sent her screaming against her bonds, and she never knew who it was who had driven those two red-hot irons simultaneously into the flesh of her buttocks, nor whose voice it had been that slowly counted to five, nor upon whose gesture the irons had been raised. She's been branded. With Sir Stephen's initials. They go back to Paris. Some shit happens. No one gives a shit. And Jacqueline finds out that she's like a big old sex slave yeah. because her chain chain's dangling all over Literally, the place. Literally, she can't get out the bath without ching, 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 ching. Like, like rattling on the back. The reindeer are coming. For <laughs> Santa, like, just hear the sleigh bells jiggling, ring tingle tingling too. <laughs> Here comes O. Jacqueline's not into it. No. She's actually caught kind of horrified by the whole thing but because she's just like ah this is somewhere to sleep that's not my parents but Jacqueline's random half sister who's 15 who we have no idea why why she's in it just gets introduced in the last chapter she's well into it loves it and then they all go down to the south of France together so Natalie Jacqueline's younger sister is there and she's like well obsessed with oh obsessed with this lifestyle and she gets so annoyed that O is banging Jacqueline but won't bang Natalie. Because she's 15. Yeah. And the one thing we can say about O is that she's not a pedo. Of all good. things we'll we can say is that she is not She's lots a of things, pedo. but she's not a nonce. The bar is on the floor. <laughs> Why it. is this the best thing we can think about? <laughs> it her? Is. She's not a pedo. Just good not a pedo. Just the banging scene between O and Jacqueline. It says, for nigh on to an hour, Jacqueline moaned under O's caress, 
And finally, her nipples erected, her arms flung over her head, clutching the wooden bars at the head of the bed. She began to scream when, oh, dividing the lips, fringed with pale hair, set quietly and slowly to the biting, the tiny inflamed morsel of flesh protruding from the cowl formed by the juncture of those sweet and delicate little labia. Kind of turned on, kind of disgusted. I don't know. It's like within this book, which largely doesn't do anything for me, there were a couple of bits that I was like, you know what? Fair play. And none of it was the flogging. No. It was all the lesbianism. They're banging and O and Jacqueline decide to go to lunch together in Cannes. And Jacqueline meets one of her model male pals and they start flirting. And O's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're flirting with another man. And Jacqueline's like, uh, bitch, you're going to... Scream at me. You had your legs crossed the entire time through dinner. You're meant to have your legs open at all times, so don't start on me. And they get in sort of like a tiff, and then they go home. Like a little cat fight. Yeah, and then Jacqueline is like, um, Renee, 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 your little sex life isn't so good because she crossed her legs during dinner. Oh, my God. And I was like, I never. Oh, my God, I did that. And it's just really dull. The way that Molly's just done that is um, so much more interesting <laughs> so than it is to read. Dull. And then some other shit happens. Yeah. So Stephen, like, when they get home and they're, like, yelling, Renee's like, so Stephen's pissed. Oh, you need to go see him. Oh, goes and sees him and meets a man called the Commander. Then does more inspecting of her body. And then she's given a bunch of masks to try on. She picks out this owl mask. And then they go to a party and Natalie has to lead O on a dog chain. This party feels like an initiation for all the other couples who are thinking about the glassy treatment. Yeah, it's a bit like going to like a school open day. Yeah, and she's sort of chained up for everyone to poke and prod and look into, and then she falls asleep, and that's sort of the end of the story. Yeah. Except <laughs> there is one last paragraph on a separate page. It goes... There existed another ending to the story of O. Seeing herself about to be left by Sir Stephen, she preferred to die, to which he gave his consent. Mine refers to it as a final chapter which has been suppressed. There was a version in which she was like, I'd rather die than be without you. And he's like, go on then. And that's the, that's the book. And that's the story of O. I'm sorry, Rosa. I don't know if you like this. You don't know if you're listening, Rosa. For the time, it really was different. It was probably very sexual for the time. Hannah, are you ready? How wet did you get? (laughs) Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you drier than a desert? How wet? Did you get, did this book make you come? No. That's the saddest how wet did you get we've ever done. The only thing that it maybe would normally have got would have been like extra points for the lesbianism. Mm. But I think even that was overshadowed by everything else that was happening that I couldn't really focus on. Completely. I didn't honestly... Having had this conversation with you, I had to Google the plot before we recorded mm. this, even though I, I have read the book, because I've got no, I've genuinely got no concept of what actually happened. Nothing happened. And that means that even the sexy bits weren't sexy, because I didn't know what was happening. The author wrote the introductory bit to entice her partner. He liked that enough that he made her write a story, and I don't think she was a good enough author to write Outside of the sexual snippet. I should have read it in French, to be honest. Generally, I just... 
just it was ah oh, it was honestly more than anything i just found it quite difficult to mm. read and not even in the way i found beauty difficult because it made me feel uncomfortable it just was just was a slog you just have to take our word for it we might have hated it but some people might not have done and a little bit enjoyed it how did the good people of Goodreads find it? Some people really didn't like it. Some people were saying it was not feminist. It wasn't good yeah. for SM, all that stuff. And then I picked out two reviews, which I thought was quite interesting. One was from a lady called Casey. Mm. She gave it three stars. And she said, Since my child is currently one of my two friends on Goodreads, I will refrain from writing a real review of this book. Manon, I assume she's French, when you're living far, far away and are much older, you should check this out. And when you do, please don't tell me about it. And I just thought it was quite funny. Jennifer Benson had quite an interesting slant on it as well. She gave it four stars, but she said, at first, most people read this as erotica. However, I read it for my psychology class. Oh. There is a much deeper story if you read it from a different perspective. Sad, definitely. This woman gives up everything. I don't mean everything in the passive way we use it today. I mean right down to her voice. She only speaks a few times. I can count the number of times on one hand. She gives away her core, her voice and her soul just to be loved. And what a silent psychological break she makes to remain a body, but nothing more than a toy. The things some women do longing to be loved. In the end, there is no more to give when all is taken. What is left? Damn. And I was like, that psychological reading, Jennifer, that, what? Yes, Jennifer, we'll need to get you on, babe. That's a much deeper yeah. reading in like three sentences than we Those did in just in an hour. So <laughs> what, did, uh, what did Amazon think? So I've got a couple. You know, like me, if I've hated it, I'll go for the ones that I like. The first one was from Mrs. L. Adams. In 2014, it just went, oh, so boring. Had to read for book club choice, rubbish. Skipped a lot of the pages, waste of good paper. Babe, if you're reading this in book club, let us know what else you're reading in yeah. book club. The, the positives I found. One was called Detailed History. A book that reflects subspace, that was all capitals, well. An excellent read into what could be sometimes one's life and reality. Is that all it says? Yeah. The second five out of five I got said... Seriously good. Every man on the planet should read this book. It was a present from my girlfriend and what a present. Very well written and it will have you aroused from the start to finish. Five stars. If my partner had bought me this, expecting me to act this way. No, no, weird. (laughs) I mean, obviously, like, not weird if that's what you like, but to me... Weird. I feel as well like I feel like I, I feel like I've not really given this book like the attention and the reading I normally give them but it's because I just couldn't get like I couldn't fathom it I was still reading bits up until today because I just but if you have read it and did not find it hard work and you liked it let us know dear god please help us like get our heads around it because this just like absolutely baffled me again if you live in France um or are a francophile and have read the French version of it let us know if it dramatically changes. Yeah. So if you have read it and enjoyed it, if you've read it and didn't enjoy it, if you have anything to say about the veracity of the BDSM in it, if you just have any thoughts at all in this book, please let us know because I would love to be able to have a more yeah. nuanced conversation about it other than I just found it tiring. I don't think it was one we enjoyed, but I'm glad it's one that we did because it's a classic. Please hit us up on Instagram at literallygaggingpod, on Twitter at litgagpod facebook literally gagging podcast and literally gagging pod at gmail.com and we never emails us so send us an email we're bored so yeah hit us up get in contact 
as always, stay safe, stay clean, stay, clean, stay alert. Wash your hands. And if you find someone to be in your sex cult, be nice to them. And on that note, we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. Bye. Bye. A big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything, to Bethany Southworth for our jingle, and the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech, the king of royalty-free jams and saviour of media studies students the world over.